Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. In just a moment, I'll read verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And we're in our series on spiritual warfare. And I've been asked repeatedly, uh, how many sermons do you think you'll do on this? And I'll give you the, the straight up answer. I really don't know. I'm going to preach on everything I can get from the Lord on this. But today, I believe this may be one of the most important sermons I could preach on spiritual warfare. And the title is simply this, Change Your Thoughts, Win the War. Say that with me. Change Your Thoughts, Win the War. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you hear that phrase? Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Anybody here? He said, well, I can't change the way I think. Yes, you can. You can change the way you think, and when you do, you'll change the way you live. Many of us don't want to have that responsibility. We want to play like our thoughts. There's nothing we can do about them. That is a lie from the devil. You can't do anything about the first thought that you have, but you don't have to give it a second thought if it's a sinful thought. You don't have to. You can take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I believe it's quiet in here because most all of us know that if we could just get our minds right, we'd get our lives right. And guess what? That's what the Bible says. God can transform us into a new person. How many of you want to be a new person? Change the way you think. You know, when the Lord saved you, he began to change you. He did change you ultimately from being a sinner into a saint. You're a saint who sometimes sins. I like that better than a sinner saved by grace. 
On the day of your conversion, you became that new creation. Spiritual darkness was taken away and it turned into light. All of your sins were washed in the blood of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to dwell within your physical body and you knew, and so did I, that there was something different. When you repented of your sin, believed that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead to give you eternal life. When you repented and believed and received him into your life, when Jesus came into my heart, what a wonderful thing happened when Jesus came into my heart instantaneously. But then something else happened. You found out that you're in this process of sanctification. Not only are you set apart for Christ, but you're also growing in grace. And you're in a process which means every day, a little bit, you're making progress, you're stepping closer to being more like Christ every day. Sometimes it's three steps forward and two and a half steps back. Can I get an amen in the house of God on that one? But every day you're becoming more like Jesus. And how does he do that? By changing the way we think changing the way we think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Jesus, if you're a Christian, is changing the way you think. Jesus knows the truth of Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinks so is he. Say it with me. As a man thinks, so is he. The way you think is the way you live. Your life is going in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I want to say that again. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Never underestimate the power of a single thought. Now I want us to analyze Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 and study the power of our thoughts, the battle for our minds. Satan shoots his fiery darts, his sinful thoughts into our minds. Some of you right now are having a hard time paying attention because the devil's reminding you of everything you've got to do out there. But everything you've got to do out there will be better if you'll pay attention to what's going on in here. And I'm not talking about paying attention to me. I'm talking about paying attention to the Word of God. And your out there will be better if you'll pay attention in here. And you need to Take your thoughts captive right now and say, the devil's not going to have my mind. I'm not going to be confused with all this clutter. No, I'm going to focus on the Word of God right now. In fact, let's just, let's just pray that out loud. You don't have to even bow your head, all right? God's right here. Just pray something like this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I will have a focused mind for the next 30 minutes, and we know Brother Steve will go longer. <laughs> And all God's people said, amen. 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 We're going to be focused. And we're going to win the war. And take our thoughts captive. 
And we're going to think, it's critical that we think in a good, spiritual, victorious way. All right, first thing, if you desire, how many of you want to change your thoughts? How many of you really do? You really do. And win the spiritual war in your mind, first of all, you have to die to your selfish nature and surrender to God. Surrender to God. Say it out loud. Surrender to God. Now, by the way, before some of you are worried about us finishing the outline, we're not going to today. This is a two-week sermon at least because this is the most important topic I'll preach on, all right? So if it takes three weeks, I really don't care. I want us to get the truth. And so I'm not going to fly through this. I'm going to work my way through it, and we're going to talk about it. We need to surrender to God. If we want to win the war, if we want to change our thoughts, we must surrender to God. You can't live the way you want to and receive the blessings of God. Romans 12, verse 1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, I beg you, give your bodies to God. Offer yourself up as a living sacrifice because of all that he's done for you. How many of you, God has been good to you? Amen? Amen. He, I know he has. You made it up here today. And uh, you got up. You had food to eat if you wanted it. I see that you had clothes to wear. We're grateful for that. And uh, you had a car to get up here. Some, somehow you got here and you're breathing God's air and uh, you're living right now because of him. So you can give your bodies to God. I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Paul said the Christians had to offer themselves sacrificially to God. The Lord deserves complete surrender because of all that he has done for you and for me. Think about it. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and to rise from the dead to give us eternal life. So God tells us, be a living and holy sacrifice, a total sacrifice, only that Total sacrifice is the kind he finds acceptable and complete surrender is true, truly the way to worship God. That sacrifice needs to take place daily. You need to wake up every day and die. Every morning, every morning, wake up and say, Lord, I just want you to know before I get out of this bed, I know me, and I know before I can get to the mirror in there and brush my teeth, something bad can go through my mind. It might even come out of my mouth. Something negative, something, something fearful, something anxious, something discouraging, whatever it might be. Lord, I die right now. I die to myself. My old fleshly nature, I put that back on the cross with Jesus. I die to myself, and I live toward Christ. Wake up every day and nail yourself to the cross of Jesus Christ. Every day, every day, every day. And sometimes more than once in a day. You say, how will I know it? Oh, you'll know it. When you start acting 
in a way that Christ wouldn't act or talking in a way that Christ wouldn't talk, just nail yourself back to the cross and die to yourself. To me, the quintessential text on this is Luke chapter 9, 23 and 24. Jesus is speaking and he said, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, this is so good, would you read it with me? Read it right there starting with if. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who shall save it. Die to self. How many of you know that yourself will wear you out? That's why I'm telling you. That's why I've told you many times. People say, I need a vacation. Well, not if you have to take yourself with you. <laughs> the problem's not a change of scenery. The problem is a change with what you're doing with yourself. You need to let that self, old man, die. And you need to crucify him every day. You can go to whatever beautiful country you want to and you won't see any beauty because all you'll be thinking about is the sinful self that you're dealing with. You gotta nail yourself to a cross, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. If you try to save your life, you'll lose your life. But if you'll give your life away to Jesus and to other people who are hurting, you'll save your life. Jesus said that, and Paul concurred in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. This will be a verse you can memorize today, all right? It's a long one now. Here we go, read it with me. I die daily. And I just keep it on the screen. A verse doesn't have to be long to be important. This verse is not long, but it's deep. Now, there's some other words attached to it, but I just took this part out. This is what Paul was saying. Every day, I die. And you know what? Sometimes you have to die multiple times because your old fleshly nature wants to crawl off of the offering, amen? It wants to crawl off of the cross. It wants to get off of that offering. You have to nail yourself back to the cross. Christ won't crucify you in and of himself. You have to crucify yourself. I've been crucified with Christ. I died to myself. Galatians 2.20. Oh, this is so good. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. Now watch this. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All of these words are verses that you, if you don't memorize them, you should, but if you don't, just pray them every day. Write them down, pray them in the morning. Wake up, pick up your cross, and die to yourself. That means when you're fussing with somebody, you close your mouth and you don't roll your eyeballs and you don't have a bad attitude 
because dead people don't even have an opinion and they can't be hurt. So he hurt my feelings. Then you're not dead. Dead people don't feel anything. If you're really dead, you're dead. And so all of a sudden, Christ is living through you. And what would Christ say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, I got to protect myself. Then you're in a bad state of affairs, as Jerry Clower would say. You don't have to protect yourself. God can protect you a lot better than you can protect yourself. Well, my neighbors, he's mowing part of my yard. Man, you ought to get up and rejoice. Amen. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Mow more of it. Amen. Do the hedges while you're there. Amen. Do the bushes too. What does that matter? We get so bent out of shape over nothing. And even when it's something, just surrender it to God. Wake up, take up your cross, die to yourself, and let God change your thoughts. Secondly, if you want to change your thoughts and win the spiritual war, don't just surrender to God, but separate from the world. No amens on that one either. I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior, and the customs of this world. You can't live for Jesus and simultaneously live for the world, the evil world system that hates everything we're saying here today. You can't live for Christ and live for the world. The world, the evil world system, led by Satan, the New Testament says he is the God, little g, and the ruler, little r, of this evil world system that is anti-Jesus, anti-God, and it's becoming more and more in our nation. You don't have to be very perceptive. You don't have to have the gift of discernment of spirits to know that our nation is not going in the right direction and has not been for the last 50 years. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. The same thing that's been going on since Adam and Eve. Things are going down. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. The moment Eve and Adam sinned by eating forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, this world and every human being ever to be part of it was completely taken over by sin. Oh, we like those songs, don't we? What a wonderful world. Oh, that sounds so good, but it's so wrong. an evil world. The only good in this world is Jesus Christ. That's it. And Christians are supposed to be separated from worldliness. You say, this is a Baptist church. Do we really believe that? I believe that. I think that we're supposed to live differently, think differently, act differently, 
than the world. People ought to be able to look at you and say, that person is different, delightfully so, but different. It's exactly what Paul had in mind when he said in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17, don't be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What harmony has Christ with Belial, that is Satan? What has a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them. I'll walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them, from their midst, and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And then I will welcome you. Come out. Be separate. Say that with me. Come out. Be separate. Be separate in the way you talk. Don't talk like the sinners at work. Don't think like the sinners at school. Don't act like the sinful people in your family. Don't. Well, they'll think I'm weird. So what? Live a holy life. That implies holiness. Be Christ-like. Walk and live and talk and think like Jesus. Come out from among the midst of lost people. That doesn't mean that you don't witness to people. It doesn't mean that you don't befriend somebody in order to win them to Christ. But it does mean that your best friends are saved, Holy Spirit-filled people that love Jesus Christ. You can't live for Jesus and act like a lost person. When I was in high school, I was not living for the Lord. I turned away from the Lord in the 10th grade. And I was led in that by some other guys. And I won't go into that. It's not their fault. I did it. I pulled away from the Lord. I can remember I can't remember the date, but I can remember the exact time when I did it. And it was like I opened up Pandora's box. And for four years, I lived in sin. But I can remember when I was in high school, there were some girls that dressed differently than all the other girls in the school. All the girls in my school Dyersburg High School, in the 1970s, early 1970s, wore short skirts. I mean short, short skirts. I hope if you're wearing a short skirt right now, you're troubled about that. Amen. <laughs> short skirts. But they didn't. They wore long Skirts down to about here. You know who they were? The Pentecostals. Now, I'm not theologically a Pentecostal. But when it comes to attire, I like the way they dress. When I see men 
wearing shirts that are so tight, you want to say, you know, they do sell sizes above the one that you have. <laughs> and besides that, you really don't look as good as you think you do, all right? Amen. And when I see women wearing short skirts, if it gets any shorter down here and any lower up here, it ain't going to mean nothing, all right? It's always good to dress modestly. Always good to dress modestly. Amen. Bible talks about it. First Peter 3. Don't be concerned about outward beauty of fancy haircuts, fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. How many of you want to be precious to God? Change the way you dress your heart. This is how holy women of old made themselves beautiful. You don't have to be a Pentecostal to dress modestly. All Christians should. Come out from among them and be ye Separate. Colossians 3 says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Now that tells us right there that we can make a choice with what we think about. Say it out loud with me. Set your mind. Can we put that on the screen real quick so they can say it out loud with me? There you go. Right there, at the, those last two lines. Say it with me. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. We take better care of our phones than we do our minds. We're always setting our phone to do something. I mean, I'd see people driving and they're looking at their phone. That'd bless your heart, won't it? Especially if they're coming right at you. We set our alarm clocks. We set our coffee machines to make coffee in the morning. We set this, we set the timer on our sprinkling machine outside to water the grass. And then we fuss about mowing it. We're something, aren't we? <laughs> but we set these things all the time. It's time to set our mind. You have 
the responsibility because you have the ability to respond with your mind. That's what, look, if God is holding you responsible, that's because you're able to respond. That's what the word means. God doesn't hold you responsible if you aren't able to respond. If you're responsible for setting your mind, then you're able to set your mind. I can't read my Bible every day. Yes, you can set your mind. Go to bed on time. Get up on time. Get in a Bible reading plan. There's hundreds of them. Take time to pray every day. I'd rather pray at least five or ten minutes than nothing and pray every day. Share the gospel with lost people. Carry tracts around with you. We've got them right over there. They're free. Right over there too. Just come by and pick them up and Go out and give gospel tracts and say, hey, uh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Would you please read this? Anybody can do that. You can share the gospel. You can meet tangible needs of other people. When people, you, you find out somebody's lost their job, just anonymously give them some money so that you don't get any credit and God gets all the glory and they get helped. You'll never miss that money. Make a phone call, write a letter. Write a little note and keep seeking the things above. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. Separate from the world. You say, I want to change my thoughts, Brother Steve. I do too. I want to win the spiritual war, Brother Steve, in my mind against Satan. I do too. How are we going to do it? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Number one, I'm going to surrender to God. Number two, I'm going to separate from the world. Number three, and I don't care if we're two or three weeks doing this last part. I don't care. It's fine. I'm not going to rush it. Number three, we've got to sanctify our thoughts. Sanctify means to set apart our thoughts. Now, how in the world... Do you sanctify your thoughts? Look at verse 2. But let God transform you into a new person. I have good news for you. You can become a new person, and it does not involve makeup. You don't have to live the way you've been living. You don't have to keep on crawling around in the same old ruts. You can make daily progress. Sometimes it might seem like you're barely making it, but you know what? If you at least just hold your ground, at least, at least don't go backwards. Sometimes holding your ground is a victory, amen, in this world. And just let God transform you and make you more and more like Jesus and exactly how will he change you? You can transform, God can transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. You don't have to remain living in discouraging thoughts, fearful thoughts, angry thoughts, jealous thoughts, defeated thoughts. You don't have to have a defeatist spirit. You don't have to have a foreboding spirit. Oh, something bad's going to happen. I know everything's good now. Well, you better enjoy it now because something bad's going to happen. You say, you just talked about my whole 
bunch of friends. You need some new friends. That foreboding spirit is one of the meanest things out there. Oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. I'm telling you, you better watch out. Oh, it's bad. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. And the longer you walk with the Lord, the better his will gets. Look at this last part, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Leave that on the screen. You know, when you first get saved or you first really start walking with the Lord, it's good. I mean, it's good. But after you walk with the Lord for a while, it's just kind of pleasing. And you say, I, I like this. I, this is just good. And then when you've walked with him a long time, you say, you know what? This isn't just good. This Christian thing isn't just pleasing. It's perfect. Isn't that the way God is? Better and better all the time. Let's give God praise that he's better and better all the time. Amen. Amen. I've been walking with the Lord a long time. I can tell you. It gets gooder and gooder all the time. It's perfect. He's the only one that's perfect, but it's perfect. I'm not perfect, but it's perfect. You got to sanctify your thoughts. And I'm just going to give you one illustration. Maybe two, but not going to work much longer on this. If you're going to sanctify your thoughts, first of all, you've got to understand your thoughts. Now, how do you understand your thoughts? And why should you? Again, because they control your life. Your thoughts control your life. I want us to go back to Proverbs 23, verse 7, just for a moment. Read it with me, please, from the screen. I think we'll have it up there. Read it with me right there. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Again, your thoughts determine your actions. Sinful thoughts will give you sinful deeds. Righteous thoughts will give you righteous deeds. Christ-like thoughts will give you Christ-like deeds. Your life is heading in the direction of your Thoughts. And if you don't believe that, why do you think they have commercials and advertisements on television? Just look. Why are they there? To plant thoughts in your mind. I drove down Walnut Grove coming to church this morning. I was in a hurry. And as I was driving, I looked up and saw a sign that gave me hope. It was the Whataburger sign. <laughs> Don't act like you hadn't seen them. I saw that big W and I said, there's a win right there. Amen. I'm going to be in that. Whataburger before long, and that Whataburger is going to be in me. Amen. 
I mean, just thinking about it, I got happy. I'm glad I had my cruise on because I would have been driving too fast. Isn't it something how just seeing a sign and I hadn't had anything to eat? <laughs> now we can laugh, but don't act like people don't act on what they think about. Sure we do. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we have to sanctify and understand our thoughts because our thoughts control our lives. We also sanctify and understand our thoughts because God's thoughts are superior to our thoughts. We've got some smart people in this room. We've got people in this room that are a lot smarter than me. But we don't have anybody in this room or watching online that is smarter than God. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Look at this. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. God is not only a talker, God is a thinker. God has thoughts. And did you catch this? He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways or what I do are not your ways. God's ways come from his thoughts, just like our doings, our ways come from our thoughts. And God thinks perfect thoughts, and so God has perfect ways. It's all connected. God says right there, your thoughts and my thoughts determine our actions, our ways. And my thoughts are perfect and they're higher than your ways. So I want to learn from the Lord. You say, I don't believe God's ways are higher than, oh, they're, they're totally different than yours. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, that is the humble in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. People go around weeping over sin, and they're, they're weeping for other people. For they, they who weep over their sin shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. They shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. Amen. Be glad. For your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, all the people who've gone before you who are righteous prophets had the same thing. Blessed are those who go through trials because of me. For theirs is the kingdom of almighty God. Jesus countered the logic of his day as well as ours. You're blessed if you're poor in spirit, blessed if you mourn over sin, blessed if you're gentle when everybody else is harsh. And by the way, everybody's being harsh nowadays. We ought not to join them. People don't mind slandering a church nowadays. People don't mind slandering you for following Christ nowadays. It's a different world than it was even 50 years ago. But we need to be kind in our response 
and Christ-like because we live for Christ and God's thoughts are superior to our thoughts. By the way, your thoughts, you ought to sanctify and understand your thoughts because man's thoughts are prone to sin. I hear all the time, it's worse than it's ever been. No, it's not. No, it's not. Let me just read a verse to you out of Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. This is way back, right before the flood. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I've heard people say, oh, the greatest generation were those people that came home from the World War II. And that's my daddy and my mother. I love them. I, I'm thankful God for them. But you know what they raised? They raised a bunch of people that were the rebellious ones in the 1960s. And they burned colleges and they burned city streets. That greatest generation spoiled their kids. And those kids were hippies and they smoked dope and they shot heroin. The greatest generation were not the greatest parents in some cases. You know why? Every generation is filled with sin. Every generation. And so is ours. I have people all the time. Do you think Jesus is coming back? Yes. When? I don't know. We're all the problem, including me and including you. We're all worse than we want to admit. Every single one of us. We're only saved by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. One more thing, we should sanctify and understand our thoughts because Christians can think the thoughts of Christ. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2, 11, who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. For we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. That's the only hope we've got, is to have the Holy Ghost living within us, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words, and we have the mind of Christ. Why? Because Christ lives in us. The moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your body and suddenly the Spirit starts to work on your mind and He starts to work on your thoughts and He puts the Word of God in you. He puts the Spirit of God in you and you have God's thoughts now to draw upon. Before you get saved, you are hopelessly lost because you don't even have the mind of Christ. But once you get saved, you have the mind that is illumined and is enlarged by the Spirit of Almighty God who never lies, who always tells the truth, who always points people to Jesus, and you have that Spirit within you, and He's working in you, and He's getting the bad out, and He's bringing the good in, and He's always transforming you a little bit every day, and you have the mind of Jesus Christ right now. 
Because the Spirit of God lives in you.